Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Inujia-Dean. Today is Tuesday, April 12th. Coming up, scientists say even small amounts of lead can cause developmental delays and learning difficulties in children. And kids in Kansas and Missouri are more likely to have elevated blood lead levels, leaving families to deal with the impacts of exposure. We painted our walls with it. We built our water grid with it. And now we're dealing with the repercussions. Plus, bird flu is sweeping across the country and having a big impact on the poultry industry, but it's also reaching backyard flu. From what I can tell, it kills the birds very, very quickly and is very, very contagious, and I would just be heartbroken if they got sick. A look at how backyard chicken owners are dealing with the outbreak and protecting their birds. But first, some headlines. A trial over the new Kansas congressional map wrapped up yesterday and is now in the hands of a judge. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service reports civil rights groups challenging the map argue it's politically and racially gerrymandered to benefit Republican candidates. The challenging attorneys said in court that the Kansas lawmakers drew a map that dilutes the ballots of Democrats and racial minorities in Lawrence and Wyandotte County. They pointed to testimony from political scientists who provided statistical analysis supporting the argument. But attorneys defending the map argued that there is no standard in Kansas to prove what is and isn't gerrymandering. They also said the map is fair because the Kansas City area district that is central to the case is still competitive for Democratic candidates. The judge is expected to rule sometime next week. After spending 18 years behind bars, Keith Carnes walked free from prison yesterday and into the waiting arms of family. The 52-year-old Kansas City man was released from South Central Correctional Center in Licking, Missouri. The state Supreme Court set aside his murder conviction last week, but Carnes had to wait over the weekend to be released. Speaking outside the prison, he said a few more days didn't matter to him. Feels good, that's all I can say, you know, it feels good. The Missouri Supreme Court ruled the state failed to disclose material evidence in his case. The Jackson County Prosecutor's Office said it accepted the court's findings and would not try to retry Carnes. Researchers have known for decades that lead poisoning can cause developmental delays and learning problems in children even at low levels, but lead still lingers around many Midwest households, leaving families to deal with the acute and long-term impacts of exposure to the neurotoxin. The Midwest Newsroom's Niara Savage reports. Anything that comes into Lisa and Daniel Pascoe's St. Louis County home has to be lead-free. The couple's two-year-old daughter only plays with toys and crayons verified as being free of lead. These are her dishes that we use, um, and this is the brand Duralex, and it's completely glass. We don't use any kind of ceramic plates or dishes for her because I, I don't want any possible leaching or contamination of lead. About 10 years ago, Lisa and her 15-month-old son were living in a renovated 1920s home in St. Louis. The family asked us not to use the children's names. After a doctor recommended a blood test for Lisa's son, a nurse called Lisa with the news that the lead level in his blood was dangerously high, 25 micrograms per deciliter. That's seven times higher than the Centers for Disease Control's current level of concern. And I didn't know anything about lead poisoning, so I was probably like... I went hysterical on the phone, but after you hang up the phone, you kind of go through this 
process of, oh my gosh, my kid's lead poison. What does that mean? What do I do? St. Louis City Health workers discovered lead dust from the home's front window had collected in the soil where Lisa's son played daily. Houses built before 1978 are more likely to have lead-based paint. Workers replaced the top layer of tainted soil outside the home, and even though Lisa cleaned the house meticulously for any trace of lead dust, her son's level still never dropped below 6 micrograms per deciliter. His level only dropped below that when they moved to a new home. Lead is a neurotoxin, and after a century of lowering what levels are considered dangerous in humans, scientists now agree that there was no safe level of lead. Dr. Elizabeth Friedman is the director of the Pediatric Environmental Health Specialty Unit for Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and Iowa. She says even small amounts of lead can lead to behavioral conditions like ADHD, aggression, and learning difficulties. Reduced cognitive potential or lowered IQ, which I know is, is a measure that in and of itself has some um, biases, but is, is um, the most consistently recognized of the effects from low levels of exposure. And it's been identified in multiple populations all around the world. Lead has been banned from gasoline, residential paint, and new water pipes for decades, but it still persists in the environment. We built our infrastructure with it. We painted our walls with it. We built our water grid with it. And now we're dealing with the repercussions. In the U.S., Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, and Nebraska have some of the most lead service lines per 100,000 residents, according to the Natural Resources Defense Council. The region is also home to a host of former lead mines. Researchers at Boston Children's Hospital, the University of Miami, and Quest Diagnostics found last year that children in those states have lead in their blood at rates higher than most of the country. And children in predominantly black zip codes are more likely to have elevated blood lead levels. And this has happened because of the racist historical practices and policies that continue to segregate children and families of color into older, sometimes less maintained, overburdened and under-resourced neighborhoods where lead exposures are more common. What's that? Airplane. Airplane. St. Louis mom Lisa Pascoe says doctors warned her after her son's exposure to lead that there could be long-term behavioral and cognitive consequences. She says her son's been diagnosed with autism and ADHD. Her vigilance, keeping her family's home lead-free, is paying off. The Pascoe's daughter hasn't tested positive for an elevated blood lead level. Some people probably think kind of like I did initially, oh, that'll never happen to me. So I think it's always good to say, well, that happened to my son, and we weren't thinking it could happen to him at all. Lisa says by sharing her story, she hopes more parents will be able to protect their own children. Reporting with Allison Kite of the Missouri Independent, I'm Niara Savage for the Midwest Newsroom. NPR's Midwest Newsroom is based here at KCUR. Over the next few months, it's collaborating with the Missouri Independent to investigate high levels of lead in children for a project called Unleaded. You can learn more at kcur.org. A strain of flu deadly to birds is spreading across the country. So far, more than 22 million commercial and backyard birds have died from illness or have been killed to stop the spread. That includes more than 400,000 in Missouri. Harvest Public Media's Katie Pikus reports. I met turkey grower Ben Slinger in the town square of Ellsworth, Iowa. Wild birds nest between buildings here. Like most producers, Slinger's limiting visitors on his nearby farms to prevent bird flu from reaching his flocks. 
It, it is a very concerning time. We're, we're watching stuff extremely closely. Slinger raises about 850,000 turkeys a year for an Iowa meat processor. The 2015 bird flu outbreak hit his family hard. He had to cull 38,000 turkeys to stop it from spreading. So Slinger and his workers are extremely careful now that bird flu is back, and especially after it reached a nearby commercial turkey flock. He's testing turkeys for the virus more frequently. And we've been in pretty good shape. Uh, this year's definitely going to challenge us, it seems like, uh, in the coming weeks as to if we were, if we were truly prepared again for what happened in 2015. State officials and scientists also caution backyard flock owners to be on high alert. The virus has reached these small flocks in Missouri, Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, and Nebraska. Don Reynolds is a professor and poultry veterinarian with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. The backyard or small flock producers, they're not as uh, aware of, of this, and so they are more susceptible. Reynolds says some backyard bird owners may not be around their birds as much as commercial producers, looking for symptoms like a lack of energy. He says they need to be especially alert about wild birds passing through on their migration and mixing with backyard flocks. Their house outside that they can have exposure to these wild birds. And these wild birds can transmit the avian influenza. And so that's very, very concerning. Reynolds says wild birds could spread the virus through drinking the same water or eating from bird feeders. <laughs> Kristen Dennis of St. Louis stopped filling her bird feeders for that reason. She's had chickens since 2010 and added ducks to her flock during the coronavirus pandemic. Dennis has been closely monitoring her 16 chickens and ducks for bird flu symptoms and keeping them in their enclosure. Because uh, it, from what I can tell, it kills the birds very, very quickly and is very, very contagious and I would just be heartbroken if they got sick. Dennis says all of her birds have names, they have personalities, and she doesn't want to lose them. After the last big bird flu outbreak, she learned that backyard flocks made up 10% of all birds that died or had to be destroyed. To me, that suggests that it really devastated a lot of people's home flocks, which is really makes me think twice and maybe three times about making sure to put precautions in place to keep mine safe. <laughs> In St. Charles, Missouri, Leah Schaefer is newer to backyard chickens. She has four hens. How are you doing? This is Miss Cherry. She's a little shy. Schaefer got the chickens during the pandemic as a way to get her two kids outside. Her hens roam about a fenced area of her yard during the day. My biggest concern has been uh, predators, not necessarily sickness. She says bird flu isn't a major concern for her because she has such a small flock and she keeps an eye on them from her kitchen window. I'm pretty confident that they're safe. And if anything changes, and I notice right away if they're sick, that's the thing, like if anything changes, I, I see them right away and I'll get them over to a farm vet. Schaefer says her birds have been energetic, very healthy, and they're laying eggs. But with bird flu, she says she'll think twice about adding more chickens to her flock. I'm Katie Pikus, Harvest Public Media. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including KCUR. It reports on food systems, agriculture, and rural issues. This is Kansas City Today. 
I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Katie's story on bird flu, visit kcur.org, where you can also hear a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.